That's all right. He's gone. Uh, let me try to remember what the video said. Oh, yeah, tomorrow's Labor Day. And as we read a few times there, it, we feel like it, work is just a necessary evil, a means to an end. But really, just got to do it. You know, God instituted it back in the garden. He said, you know, here you go, Adam, here's the garden, go work it. And then through somebody's fault, not my own, he then cursed it and said, oh, work at it harder. But then he also gave us something which he called the Sabbath. And he told us, now I'm giving you this day to rest. And he taught us how to rest well. So for today, because tomorrow being Labor Day, I want to share this message with you titled, The Sabbath, A Labor's Day Rest. Labor Day was established as a federal holiday in 1894. It is a creation of the labor movement, and it's dedicated to the social. You want to play it now, don't you? Look at Denny's going, yeah, I got it. No, I want to. All right, wait a minute. I'm going to pause my time then. All right, roll it again. Okay, people, listen up. Let's be honest. Most of us look at work as a necessary evil. Labor is something we have to do to make ends meet. And we all know who to thank for that. This guy. Remember when God told Adam the ground is cursed because of him? And now everyone will have to toil in pain? Thanks a lot, Adam. Work is what it is. It may seem like a curse or a necessary evil, but in fact, it is part of God's plan for us. Genesis 2.15 explains that God placed man in the garden to maintain it. In other words, God always had plans for us to work in some form or fashion. On top of that, our work ethic is an opportunity to honor God. So God is a big fan of us working hard. However, God is also a big fan of us resting well. Before he created man and put him in the garden to work, God set the example for us. He worked hard, and then he took time to rest. To make sure we followed his example, God initiated the Sabbath, a day set aside for rest. Exodus 16.23 says, Tomorrow is a time of cessation from work, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Mark chapter 6 shows us that Jesus encouraged his disciples to come away and rest a while. The simple truth is, God didn't create us to be human doings. He created us to be human beings. Sometimes we need to shut off our brains, shut off our bodies, stop doing and just be. So today, take a break from your toiling. Take an extended Sabbath, if you will. God is proud of your hard work. Now honor him by resting well. Yay! Woohoo! We applaud for nothing else but that it worked. All right. All right, Labor Day is a creation by the labor movement and is dedicated to the social and economic achievements of American workers. It constitutes a national tribute to the contributions of workers and what they've done, what they've made, through their strength, prosperity, and well-being of our country. But for the Christian, each week, is supposed to be a breath, 
a rest, a Labor's Day rest. Each week is supposed to be a time to do that, not just a yearly time, but each week. It's commanded by God to set aside this day of rest from our labor. And he called it the Sabbath. He proclaimed it holy. And he said, dedicate it to me. Sadly, though, the majority of us have stuffed our schedules so full that to find a free day, well, (laughs) seems almost impossible, doesn't it? And if we do find a free day, we usually end up spending it in very selfish ways. And we become, or we become tormented, this was mine, by the guilt when we do try to just sit and do nothing. You ever felt that, mamas? You sit down and you don't have that nothing box that men have that they can go to and just, you know, shut off. Women, when we sit down and, and try to rest, we have 50 million things running through our mind. And to just sit there, we feel guilty. And I mean tormented at times. That's why once a week, God said, you need a day of reset, of rest. Reset your week. Get back to the original plan. Dedicate unto me again your life. And let's make a holy commitment together. So today I want to share some simple truths with you that will help you to redefine what it means to have a real Sabbath, a Labor's Day rest, so that we can all learn how to rest well. Turn with me over to Exodus chapter 20. If you don't have a paper version and you would like one, we do have Bibles that we are giving away at the info booth if you do not have a paper Bible. But if you have a smartphone and you don't know this already, you can get almost any translation on your phone. And it is lovely because the thing reads to you too. I love that. So sometimes I slip over into Brenda version when I'm reading some of the, and it gets these words that are longer than my finger in here. I love it when I can just turn on my Bible app, you version, and it reads to me. It lulls me to sleep every night. So the you version is a free app that you can get on your smartphone, tablet, or any device. Yeah, anyway. Exodus chapter 20. Let's start with verse 8. Because right here, this is the Ten Commandments. These are the Big Ten, I've heard it called. Not like the Big Ten, the basketball, you know, but the Big Ten. So right in the middle of this, God threw out here number eight, which says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals nor the alien within your gates, not like alien, but anyway. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it Holy. Let me back up. That first word there got me. He said, remember. How can you remember what you don't already know? So I started researching that. Lord, you just told them to remember. Now I can see if you're telling them from now on, remember. 
but he made it sound like, remember what I taught you. So I backed up a few chapters, and God is so good. He actually did teach them how to keep the Sabbath before he told them, this is the Big Ten, keep the Sabbath. So if you back up to Exodus chapter 16, this is where Israel was going through the desert. Remember, that's where the Big Ten was given to them anyway. They're being, they were, God took them out of Egypt, out of slavery, said we're heading to the promised land, but between slavery and the promised land was a huge amount of time in the desert because we need to get things right before you go to the promised land. It's kind of like when your kids are growing up, do you hand the four-year-old the keys to the car? No. There's a time period they have to prove themselves. And God blessed us with the ability to raise six kids. And out of the six, some were 16, and it's like, yes, come on, let's go get your permit. And some of them are like, oh, no, you are not ready for this. Forget it. As a matter of fact, one of them, I thought he was, and I'm like, let's start with the permit and everything, and he got behind the wheel first time. I said, turn this around. We're going home. Give me the permit. Give me the keys. Not in my house. This is never going to happen. So there's a time where it's he had to show them, you're about ready to enter the promised land, but there's a proving ground here. Let's make sure you're ready to handle the promise. So in that, he showed them even how to keep the Sabbath. And you look at chapter 16, verse 4. Let's pick it up here. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. Let's go down to verse 21 here. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Now here it is. Tomorrow is to be a Sabbath, a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots, which if you would have read earlier would happen if they tried to keep extras each day. And he said, eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days, here it is, he's teaching them. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Verse 27, nevertheless, there is always somebody. Nevertheless, some of the people still went out on the Sabbath day. It's like he put it in the announcements. He put it on the overhead. He did verbal announcements. And still, some are like, and people are supposed to go out. <laughs> Nevertheless, some of the people still went out on the seventh day to gather up food. 
And guess what? They found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind. Hello. Bear in mind. The Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. When God gave them the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, he was calling them to remember the simple lesson I just taught you. So he didn't just throw it out there because what happens? I mean, even today, you ask people, so what do you do on the Sabbath? They're like, Sabbath, what? I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. He says, okay, let me teach you first. It's a real simple principle. And then let me put it in the commandments. Now, this is given, he says, for you. He taught them. But he said, I'm going to do this to see. I'm going to do this to test them. Will they follow my instructions? But over the years, through the religious leaders, we first swung the pendulum to the one extreme, heaping laws upon laws about you can't do this, you can't do that, you don't do this, you don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Right? On the Sabbath day, don't you dare. I remember I was just over to Kirk and Jody's house Friday night, I think it was, for dinner. We were talking about this and... I remember back in the days in the assemblies where I had a preacher who said that they wouldn't even go out to dinner on Sunday because you could make other people work on the Sabbath, and that's wrong. You'd be cursing that person. I'm like, well, if you stay home, i got to make dinner. I'd rather pay somebody else to make it for me. And if they're working, they're probably not a Christian, so it's okay, right? No. Anyway. No, but that we've swung the pendulum clear over to this way. And actually, if I can't remember if I wrote it in the message. We'll find out later. We'll be surprised. Anyway, when Jesus was walking on the earth, the religious leaders were walking, following him. Why? To see what he was doing. Why? So that he could, they could point it out. Oh, you're wrong. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, don't do this. Oh, don't do that. They were walking behind him all the time, watching him, and especially on the Sabbath. I think I did write it in here. Especially on the Sabbath, they went, oh, you broke the Sabbath there. Oh, you broke the Sabbath there. Oh, you broke the Sabbath there. But see, that's swinging the pendulum clear over this way, saying, don't, 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 don't. Well, and then, and now, in modern civilization, where we are now, we've swung the pendulum clear over here. Do whatever you want to do. Have fun. Whatever. And so now we're clear over here, and it's like, you know, you go not just a week. You sometimes go weeks or months, and it's like, where have you taken a day of rest? Ask somebody, how you doing? Busy. Oh, how you doing? Busy. Oh, busy? It's because we swung that pendulum clear over this way. There's a balance to the Sabbath. Both of these extremes remove the true meaning of the Sabbath rest. I know what you're thinking, just like I said, what day? What day? I don't have a free day. 
What day? Forget it. There isn't one. We're all busy. I understand that. I am a busy person by nature. Because I really, I think it was because of the hard work ethic that I was raised with. Yeah, my father. It was that you did not see that man laying around. Never. And so, I mean, raising the boys, I mean, they can contest to this. If I would see them laying around, I'm like, get up! What are you doing? There's daylight. There's something. Find something to do. It's hard for me to rest. It really is. Because it's just in me to keep working, keep going. So if you want to ask, where's your free day? It's not that you'll actually, but, oh, look at that. It just appears every week. Free day, nothing to do. If it is, please come write that on my script. Anyway, you, it's just about priorities. It's pushing things around. Think about it. When you think about scheduling your week or even your day, when you have you had those days where you wake up and as your feet hit the floor, you realize you're already behind schedule? Even this morning, I grab my phone. Always the first thing. I grab my phone because it's got my alarm clock on me. Don't judge me. I grab my phone, hit it on so I can see what time it is. It's one minute before my alarm's going off. I'm like, yes. So I shut off my alarm, and I sat there for a second thinking, I am ahead of schedule. And then I thought, boy, i got a lot to do this morning. So when we get up and we feel like, or through the day, and we feel like we're running out of time, running out of time, what are the first things you start wiping off your schedule? Well, I don't have time for this. Oh, I don't have time for that. Is it your TV time? Is it your shopping time? Is it your Facebook time? No, immediately tell me. I mean, if I'm lying, I'm dying. If No, I don't want to be dying. I don't want to lie either. Tell me, what's the first thing? To, I don't have time for devotions this morning. I don't have time. I'll catch you later, God. I'll catch you later. That's always the first thing. Boy, we don't want to admit it, but it is. It's not a necessary priority, you feel. You don't want to say that. You don't want to say that. But your actions choose that. So when we're talking about a free time, it's not that these things are bad. Shopping, dear Lord Jesus, is not bad. Love shopping. TV time is not bad. Facebook time, well, okay, that's bad. Anyway, these things aren't bad, but the priority of them is what makes it bad. When you wipe off devotion time and you wipe off prayer time to replace it with, well, I can spend two or three hours every night and just kick back and watch TV, it doesn't make that bad, but the priority of it does make it bad. So to find a free day, it's not just going to poof appear before you unless you have some little genie in a bottle. Bring it my way. Rub that thing and poof, there's your free day. You have to find it. You have to prioritize it. Oswald Chambers says, it's not what a man does that is of final importance, but what he is in what he does. The atmosphere produced by a man, much more than his activities, has the lasting influence. 
What do you want your kids to remember the most about you? What do you want your spouse to remember the most about you? What do you want to be on God's tongue when you stand before him in accountability time? That you were a man of prayer. You were a woman of your word. You sought me daily. Or boy, I hope you got all those seasons of prison break watched. No. What's more important? Priority. It's what you do in it and through it. So let's just focus that for a second on the Sabbath. Now that's every day of the week. Let me just tell you that much. But let's specifically talk about how do we rest well. God said, I have given you the Sabbath. It is extremely important to maintain in maintaining a healthy physical, mental, and spiritual lifestyle. And in order to do that, you have to rest well. And while I was in worship, God showed me that Sabbath that he gave to us is like a huge reset button. And I actually got the picture of a great big dam. And through the week, all these things keep piling in, piling in, piling in, piling in on us. Like this big dam that's holding back this great big monument of the week. And Sabbath day Sunday is us slamming our fist on that big reset button, breaking down that wall and letting it flow. You have to have that reset button, that rest button, to let it all go. Hebrews 4, 9-11 through 11 says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us therefore, therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example. He's talking about the people in Israel, the ones that couldn't even follow the simple instructions that God's trying to teach them how to keep the Sabbath day holy, that we don't follow their example. But he said, make every effort. You have to rearrange your priorities. You have to pick that day and say, this is it. Each week you have to hit that reset button to maintain a healthy lifestyle, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. He has given you the Sabbath day for that. So let me give you some do's and don'ts. Here they are, not laws, not set up, but, you know, no do's and don'ts. Okay, but some simple do's and don'ts to keeping a Sabbath day. Number one, simple. Don't worry about tomorrow. So when you're looking at your Sabbath day, when you're in your Sabbath day, which let's just call it Sunday. I like Sunday, and I'll tell you why in just a little bit. On Sunday, don't worry about tomorrow. Oh, but I got so much. Don't worry about tomorrow. And that is going to take some training of your mind to get to the place where you're not worrying. And you start to worry. Oh, not going to worry. Today, I'm not going to worry. Don't worry about tomorrow. In Luke 10, Jesus told Martha, remember here's the story, Jesus and his disciples came over to Mary or Martha's house and Mary, your sister's there and she's at the feet of Jesus. Martha's trying to get the meal. Now, I've heard it preached, Martha was just a wicked person. No, 
No, she wasn't. She was a hard worker. Not like me. She knew what needed to be done. People in her house, feed them. Right? If I come to your house, feed me. I remember we had one pastor that would literally come knocking on your door. What do you got for dinner? Uh, something. We had one pastor, because I had, you know, nice, and you, oh, pastor, come have dinner at our house sometime. He actually showed up. Five o'clock, we get this knock, me and Brian was newly married, too. I mean, newly married, like the little apartment with one little red couch and one little black and white TV, this super single water, but that's all, you know? We had, and we, I mean, we were penny pinchers, not because we had this huge savings, but that was it. We had a jar of beans, navy beans, I think they are, right? And we knew that if we made that, that we could make that last three days before paycheck. So I was already had the beans on the stove, and we had three strips of bacon that I had tried to, because I wanted to put a little meat in the bean soup, Three strips, I burnt them. It was a burnt offering before the Lord. Burnt, I mean, to a crisp. They were, and I threw them in there anyway. And here comes the pastor, his wife, and their three kids. We're coming for dinner. I'm like, oh, okay. Come on in. Got bean soup. And I'm praying the whole time. I'm, oh, come on, multiply this, Lord, multiply. And we did have enough. But see, that's what we do. When somebody comes to our house, it's time to eat. And so Martha wasn't wicked. She wasn't bad. Jesus is in the house. But Mary at that time just said, you know what? Jesus is in the house. I'm going to sit down. So it wasn't that she was a wicked person. As a matter of fact, Jesus said Martha because Martha went over there and said, Will you make my sister do something, Jesus? Look, and she's just sitting around. Look at her, and I'm sweating. I'm sweating. There's my sister. Make her do something. And he said, Martha, Martha, you're worrying about way too much. Your sister Mary has chosen wisely. Let me just add this to help us understand right now. Not that it's ever wicked, and all the time it's going to be wicked whenever you try to prepare a meal for somebody, because someday I'm going to come knocking on your door. But at that time, it's okay if she would have just sat down for a few minutes. Just spend some time with Jesus first. Right now, Jesus said, Mary has chosen. Because Martha, you're worried about way too much right now. Food's going to be there. Food's going to be there. We'll get it. Don't worry. As a matter of fact, let me just remind you, men, you all have hands. Refrigerator opens like this. Stove or push button. You, we can all get up and help each other. Let's spend some time with Jesus. So it's not that Martha was a wicked one. He just said, you're just worrying about way too much. So on the Sabbath, when you're spending your day with God, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Because man, especially like I said, for us women, it's 50 miles an hour in our mind. I wish we could just, you know, have the off button or the nothing box. Sometimes get really mad. God give the men the nothing box, but not the women. 
go there. And if you want to know what the nothing box is, you have to go through marriage counseling. Anyway, so for us, it's, it's going to be it's process to learn how to shut that off and how to not worry about tomorrow. Chris Valentin said that rest is not just the absence of labor, but it's the presence of peace. So when we're talking about resting, it's not just that you not do anything, because women, we can sit there like this and mm, thinking about it all. Mm, and here I, there was my Sabbath. Well, you're all stirred up. You worked up more than if you would have went to work. But it's not just the absence of labor. It's the presence of peace. So, again, and I, I'm preaching at the women right now, but men, sometimes there's men that are overly concerned about a lot of things a lot of the time. Rest. On that day, don't worry about tomorrow. Number two, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Rest does not mean being lazy because when you're lazy, well, that's just self-focused. Think, was Jesus lazy on the Sabbath? I did some research, and in Luke 6 alone, you'll see that Jesus was preaching, teaching, eating, healing on the Sabbath. Like I was sharing with you earlier, I know that because it says that the religious leaders were following him around. What are you doing on the Sabbath? You can't do that. Today's the Sabbath. Do you know what your disciples just did? You can't do that. It's the Sabbath. Don't eat that. They're eating on the Sabbath. They was actually rubbing grain together and, you know, walking through the field. They're walking through the field and eating. He healed a man's hand on the Sabbath. He was doing work. No, he just wasn't being lazy. As a matter of fact, he said, okay, come on, what's better, for me to do evil or to do good on the Sabbath? What's better, for you to lay around in your hammock and do absolutely nothing or go out to the restaurant and talk to the waitress who's crying at you? We actually had that one day where we were all sitting there. A bunch of us went out to dinner. We're sitting there, and we noticed that the waitress is, like, wiping tears away as she's trying to put a smile on. And, and finally we're all like, Honey, what's wrong? And she just, ah, you know, and she's crying and we're trying to minister to her and she left us. I think she went outside to compose herself. I mean, we sat there like 45 minutes before we even put our order in. But we spent time with her. So what's better for us to stay at home in a hammock and just all alone, so it's just me and God, or to go out and be among the people and focus on people? It's not being lazy. Actually, Hebrews 6.12 says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. Here's the formula. Told you don't worry about tomorrow. How do I not worry about tomorrow? Faith plus patience equals the promise. You'll have the rest. If you put faith in place of the worry, patience, God's in control, and I'll, I'll have the promise of the rest. I can enter into that rest. And number three, don't carry last week's load. Let me just tell you that I got a picture. Um, 
that I'll share with you, but allow me to read to you. I know this is a few verses here. Out of Jeremiah chapter 17. When I was studying for this message, I came across the scripture and God said, that's where you're at today. We keep carrying our load from the week's past. And you cannot enter into the rest, the Sabbath day rest, carrying a load. So let me just read this scripture to you. Jeremiah 17, 19 through 27. This is what the Lord said to me, Jeremiah. He said, go and stand at the gate of the people through which the kings of Judah will go in and out. Stand also at all the other gates of Jerusalem and say to them, hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah and all people of Judah and everyone in living in Jerusalem who come through these gates. This is what the Lord says. Be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath day or bring it through the gates of Jerusalem. Do not bring a load out of your houses or do any work on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your ancestors. Yet they did not listen or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and would not listen or respond to discipline. But if you are careful to obey me, declares the Lord, and bring no load through the gates of this city on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy, not doing any work on it, then kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of this city with their officials. They and their officials will come riding in chariots and on horses, accompanied by men of Judah and those living in Jerusalem. And this city will be inhabited forever. People will come from the towns of Judah and the villages around Jerusalem, from the territory of Benjamin and the western foothills, from the king from the hill country and the Negev, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings and incense, and bringing thank offerings to the house of the Lord. But if you do not obey me to keep the Sabbath day holy by not carrying any load as you come through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume her fortress. I believe that God showed me this is a picture of our church today. Week after week, we come dragging ourselves into church on Sunday, carrying the load from the week before. We're beat up, weighed down. We walk in carrying our load. We come up here and we, oh yes, the scripture says, cast your load upon the Lord, cast your burden upon the Lord, and here it is, Lord. It's been horrible, Lord. And so we spend the whole time at church thinking about how horrible our week has been. It's been terrible, horrible, awful. Lord, forgive me. I messed up. I'm worthless. I'm a worm. I'm horrible. I shouldn't have done that. And I just fought with my kids in the vehicle. And I just threatened their lives. And I gave my husband the fist. And I, you know, and then I'm just awful. And thank you, Jesus. I feel better now. And I pick up my burden and I leave the church. 
because we are going to have this fight finished when we get home. We will talk again when we get home. So what have we done? We've picked up that load and we've taken it back out the gates. We've carried it in the gates and we've picked it up and carried it back out the gates. On the Sabbath, the Lord's day of rest, he said, you keep coming in and out through these gates carrying that load. So you know what? If you keep doing that, I'm going to start an unquenchable fire. Unquenchable fire that will consume the house. And I, I said, Lord, what, what do you mean? What's the unquenchable fire? And I don't know about for anybody else, but for us right now, I really believe that that is the spirit of... Uh, let me get it right here. Lay it down here. Poverty mindset, not having enough. That there is an unquenchable fire that has consumed us when we come in and out on that Sabbath carrying our load. It's never enough. It's never enough. I'll never have enough. I can't give this. I can't give that. I don't have enough. I'll take care of this. I'll take care of that. I'll do this myself. Oh, I'll take care of this. It's an unquenchable fire. Because we haven't learned how to rest. We keep carrying our load in and out, in and out. Psalm 55, 22 that says, cast your burden upon the Lord. Also says, if you do that, he will and he will sustain you. See, when we cast our burden on the Lord, he will sustain us. He'll give us what we need. It might just be enough for today, but it will be enough. But see, we keep crying, Lord, how come I never have enough? How come I feel like I'm always, I don't have enough? Well, you're still carrying your load. Back and forth, taking care of yourself. How can he take care of you if you're taking care of yourself? So here's your don'ts. Number one, don't worry about tomorrow. Number two, don't be lazy. Number three, don't carry last week's burden. Here's your do's. God gave me an acronym on Friday morning when I woke up. I am, I am serious. Before I even put my feet on the ground, I was laying there starting to wake up because hallelujah for Friday mornings, I get to sleep in. So if you're one of those that text me at 7 a.m., I will not respond. And if I forgot to turn my ringer down, you'll be the one I won't be praying for that morning. Like, get her, Lord. No, I'm just kidding. Friday morning, I laid there and God gave me this acronym for rest on how we can remember this. And this is the do part. So write it down. Write it on your arm. Write it on your hand. I don't care. Write it on your neighbor's face. I don't care. Remember this. These are your dues, and it's an acronym for rest. R, renew your commitment to God. There's that reset button. Boom. Every week should be that reset button that God, remember what it is you're doing here. What it is you're doing. What is going to matter most? Is it that you're going to go to work another 40 hours next week to get the paycheck, to go to work the next 40, you know, to get the paycheck, to go to work... Paycheck, pay bill, paycheck, pay bill, paycheck, pay bill. Is that it? 
No, you need that reset button that says, what is the purpose? What, what is my commitment? Renew your commitment to God. Realign those main priorities. Why are you on this earth? What will truly matter when you stand before God? That's your reset button. Perfect way to illustrate that. That's why I am not going to debate Old Testament, New Testament, and the Jewish calendar and the American calendar. I'm American. And I'm proud to be an American. Oh, no. I'm proud to be an American. I have an American calendar. And on my American calendar, the first day of the week is Sunday. So it's real easy for me to look at that and say, Sunday, first day of the week. God, that one's yours. The first fruits of the week. That one's yours. This is the day I'm going to call my Sabbath. This is the day that is going to become my reset day. So for me, it's an easy reminder when I look at the calendar, Sunday is the first day of the week. So to renew my commitment to God every week, renew my commitment. God, I messed up this week. I need help for next week. I will not let my past failures define my future. I will learn from them. I'll grow from them. But this Sunday is my reset button, recommitment to you, God. I'm going on. Could you just imagine what would happen in your spiritual walk if every Sunday you came in with the, I'm recommitting my life to God, not dragging my load in from last week and how horrible I am and I'm a worm and I'm a worm and... You know, I am not saying that you shouldn't spend time there because you need to. You are a worm. You are a worm. I am a worm. I am. But to come in saying, you know what? I laid it down, God. My burden, my past mistakes, my feel, it's all laid down. I'm recommitting to you today, God. Imagine what your Christian life would be like. Remember, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things? All things. What things? All. I mean, I studied that in the Greek and Hebrew and all means all. It's all. You don't have to worry about anything. Why? Because if I seek first the kingdom of God, all those things will be added to you. So R is renew your commitment to God. E is enjoy His forgiveness. This is key. Enjoy his forgiveness. Remember my big whiteboard that I used a couple weeks ago? You used it last week, right? My big whiteboard that's right here. It's like a big whiteboard of everything you do through the week, and especially, you know, in red, those mistakes that we all make, right? So in red, all these big, all everything you've done, all these big, oh, Denny, there's white tape still up on the wall. Okay, anyway, don't look at the tape. Anyway, so here's your big whiteboard of the week. We can enjoy his forgiveness. On Sundays, we step in the door. We say, God, I just ask, or every day, but I ask for your forgiveness. He takes out his eraser and erases every one of them things. Enjoy his forgiveness. It actually says, Isaiah 43, 25, 
It says, I, even I, says God, am he who blots out your transgressions. For whose sake? He says, for my own sake. God says, for my own sake. And I will remember your sin no more. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like the world could not contain not only all the miracles that Jesus did, but all the mistakes I make. So to have that, enjoy his forgiveness, Lord, I need you, erase this week. Erase. Enjoy his forgiveness. But now let me remind you over and over and over again, Jesus said, you want me to forgive you, then you need to forgive others. Forgive others the way I forgive you. And he says in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, here's God's big but right in the middle of this. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So when you come in on Sunday, when you wake up on Sunday, you not only need to ask, of course, every day, like I said, but you not only need to ask at least once a week, God, erase all, forgive me, forgive me for everything. Just forgive me, Lord. But God, I also, right now, every little thing that these people and that person and this person has done against me that I've kept record of, and we know you all, and I, I've kept record of all, I erase it all this week. I erase it all. I erase it all. Every week, it's erased. What would your relationships look like right now? Let me just talk to married couples with your spouse. If every week, you would erase everything and never remember it again. Because you know the worst fights happen Saturday night or even Sunday morning. But if every week, you looked at each other and, good morning, good morning, I want to remind you. Everything's erased. Your slate's clean with me. I want my slate clean with God. Your slate is clean with me. How would that change your relationship with your spouse, with your family, with your kids, with your siblings, with those people that you just knew them by the glances they gave you, and so you wrote down, I see the glance that you're giving me. If you erase those every week, enjoy God's forgiveness. R, renew your commitment to God. E, enjoy his forgiveness. S, soak in his presence. That should seem pretty obvious to be able to rest, to be able to have a Sabbath day rest that I need to just soak in God's presence. But let me tell you, don't come in on Sundays and then leave without spending some time soaking. And I know that's an old Pentecostal word. But let me just tell you what that means. Have you ever been next to a, let's just use an elderly gentleman that always has wonderful cologne on, sometimes Old Spice, and you come up to them and even, you know, they hug you, hey, how are you this week? And you go away smelling like them. And later, as a matter of fact, it's not just old men. I had one lady in the church I sometimes tried to avoid because she wore this very strong, flowery perfume. And she didn't just like to hug. She liked to hug. 
And when you walked away all day, I'm like, why did I even put perfume on today? All I smell is hers. Soaking is like that in a good way. That you just rest in God's presence long enough that you take on the very fragrance of heaven. And you leave, and you don't even have to say anything at times. But you might be sitting at the restaurant later, and the waitress just comes up and starts breaking down and doesn't understand why. Why does she or why does he feel just this overwhelming conviction? And I don't even know. I remember that waitress kept, I don't know why I'm telling you this. We know. Fragrance of heaven. Spirit connecting with spirit. So taking time before you leave on Sunday to soak that in. Because if not for someone else's sake, you need it for your own sake. So later on when you're setting up, you're lazy boy, kicking your feet back and thinking about the day and not worrying about tomorrow and just honoring God in this Sabbath day, you'll smell that aroma of heaven and remember God again. You have to take time to soak in his presence. Perfect time, Sunday mornings. This means putting down your pride and picking up his mantle. Sometimes it means getting up out of your seat and coming up to the front. That's a tough one for some people. But to really feel that and smell that and get that fragrance of heaven on you, you've got to go in for the bear hug. You've got to go in, enter in, because you will not make it through this next week without that. And if you do, what did you really accomplish? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Remember Philippians 4.13? But what's the flip side of that same scripture? You can't do anything without God. And whatever you think you're doing for God, what is it really accomplishing? But I can do all things through Christ. So it's rest, R, renew, E, enjoy the forgiveness, S, soak in his presence, and T, be thankful. Have you ever been around people who are very ungrateful or just complainers or some of them call themselves realists? Well, there's optimists and pessimists. I mean pessimists. They just, it's, they just, let's say they just fling their donkey dung around everywhere. Their monkey do, donkey dung, monkey do. They're just filling the whole room with poop. And you sit around those people long enough, and it's like they've taken the straw right into you. <laughs> Suck the life right out of you, and you leave there going. <laughs> you, you have some of those people in your family, don't you? I know. We all, have some, we all have some of those people. It's hard to be around them. It's hard to be around them long. The only way you can combat that is to be overly thankful. I mean, I have to admit, I like, um, I don't mind, let's say, I don't mind driving in crowds. I don't mind traffic at all. When it's flowing. I love going to Detroit. I do. When we lived in Charlotte and Pastor Mark's like, hey, Brenda, will you run to Detroit? Yes! 
because that traffic flows 90 to 95 miles an hour, and the law says, flow with the traffic. So I'll wait for the, don't I? I wait for the traffic. It's like I see somebody's coming up behind me. I need to flow with them. Boom! I'm flowing with the traffic. Thankful, yes, for that. But when it's all bumper to bumpers, that's the hard one for me. But the only way I can combat that is, thank you, Lord, that I have a vehicle that runs, that I have air <laughs> in this car when we're all sitting here in the highway not moving. Thank you, Lord, that I'm breathing today. Thank you, Lord, that I have kids in the car. Thank you. And I just start combating that negativity. When you're thinking about your Sabbath, I mean, if I could throw another don't on there for you, don't grumble, don't complain. But instead of throwing another don't on there, let's just throw a do on there and be thankful. Be thankful. Thinking, what can I be thankful for? You're here, aren't you? Thankful. I get one more day. I remember over and over again, I, I was dealing with the, some horrible insecurities, and I'd get up and I'd start my day, God, I messed up, yeah, I'm just horrible, horrible. And then I got to the place where I wake up, thank you, God, hey, I woke up. Thank you, this must be another chance. I'll get it right today, Lord. I can do this. I choose to be thankful. Think of everything you've been given. All are blessings of God. All. It says every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from your good, good Father. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And it sums it up. This is your entire will. The entire God's will for your life in Christ Jesus is to do that. Rejoice always, pray continually, and be thankful. Give thanks in all circumstances. So this is it. Cassie, if you want to come back, this is your wink. Come back up again. This is how we honor God on the Sabbath. This is how we rest well from our labor. Renew your commitment to God every week. Hit that big reset button. Every week, let me remind you, that reset button is not just for your commitment to God. It must include that dam breaking, that pent up of all the wrongs that were done to me, all the wrongs I've done. It's got to include all of that. It's got to have a reset button not only for that commitment to God, but also that forgiveness, that it's everything, wiped clean, whiteboard, wiped clean, God. Here it is. So to enjoy his forgiveness, to soak in his presence, and to be thankful. So what does it mean to keep a Sabbath day? Rest well. You need to rest well. And don't wait till next week. Don't think oh, I'll be okay if I just rest once a month. God said, I've given you one day each week. Rest well. When the religious leaders accused Jesus of not honoring the Sabbath, and in so they, they told him that he was desecrating the very temple he was standing in. 
His response in Matthew 12 says, I tell you, Jesus says this, I tell you that something greater than this temple is standing here today. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. And then he said in verse 8, For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So what is the purpose of the Sabbath? What should be our main focus in the Sabbath? The Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus. So it doesn't matter whether you go ride your four-wheeler, whether you go to the beach, whether you go to the restaurant. Who is the Lord of your life? Did you hit that reset button this week? Did you drop that burden that you keep carrying around? Did you erase, like I said, that whiteboard? The wrongs that other people have done to you, your wrongs for the week. Start clean. And let God, let God be honored and you honoring the Lord Jesus as the Lord of the Sabbath. So remember, if you remember nothing else that I've taught you today about the Sabbath, remember this. Remember this. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. Take a day. Preferably, if it's easier for you like it is for me, I look at my American calendar and see Sunday as the first day of the week. I want to give God my first fruits. And set aside that day and honor Jesus. Don't focus on your wants, your desires. Renew your commitment to Him. Enjoy His forgiveness. Soak in His presence. Thank Him for everything. And that you will be resting well. So would you stand with me right now? We're going to prepare ourselves to take communion. But I want us to just close this service by just focusing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Focusing right now on God. So if the ushers, um, the guys that are going to be helping me with communion would come out, start handing out the elements. I'm going to continue to just help direct your, your thoughts here for a moment, your response here to God. While they're handing them out, let me ask you some questions, and this is between you and God. Did you come in today carrying that load? As a matter of fact, when you look back on the last few weeks, you can even see yourself picking that load back up and taking it home every week. As a matter of fact, I kind of have things within my own mind, within my own heart that I'm remembering that I've held in there for longer than weeks, longer than months. Seems like I've been carrying these ones around for years. Holy Spirit, right now I just ask that you bring those things to the forefront of our remembrance right now. Pinpoint those things. Shine your light on those things. If we're carrying burdens that we've been carrying around so long that sometimes they become hidden to us even. Bring it to light right now. Show us where we are carrying burdens in our life. 
that's you. However you want to do it, whether you speak it out loud or you make a motion or whatever you do, just cast your burden on the Lord. God, no longer, I'm not going to carry this burden any longer right now. I just cast it down before you, God, and I choose. I will not pick it up again. I cast it down right now. Lay it down before you. God, I'm not going to carry this around any longer. And whether this is the first time you ask for forgiveness or the thousandth time, or even if it's just the weekly or the daily routine of asking for forgiveness, or like me, an hourly or a minute-by-minute routine, I, I just... I beseech you right now. I urge you right now to do that. To just speak out with your own words and ask God, forgive me, God. Forgive me, God, for things I've done this week, things I might have done this morning, things I might have been sitting right here thinking about. God, I just ask for your forgiveness. I ask that you just wipe clean that slate. And God, as, as Pastor Brenda, as I just said earlier, that God, I'll choose right now to wipe the slate clean of every individual I have written an account for. That I've held on to. That I've remembered that they've hurt me or done this or done that. I wipe their slate clean right now. I lay down their burden. I lay down the burden and I wipe the slate clean right now before you, God. By your blood Jesus you purchase that forgiveness that ability to receive forgiveness by your blood you took my cross as we sung earlier and you purchase that relationship that I can now have with God through your blood and God right now we get ready to take up communion Father we learn through your word what it means to honor and to keep the Sabbath day holy and Jesus your very words were you are the Lord of the Sabbath so right now as a as a symbol of your blood your body is a communion that we're holding right now in our hands that that night before you were betrayed you sat with your disciples and you held these very elements in your hand and you said this is my body that's about ready to be broken for you Jesus, nobody took your body from you. You said that you offered it freely for our sins in our place. And you said every time you eat this bread or drink this cup, I want you to remember me and remember the sacrifice I made. And today, God, we remember you are the Lord of the Sabbath. You deserve all the glory. So right now, I just pray over this piece of bread that symbolizes your broken body for us. I thank you for it. Thank 
thank you, God, thank you that you sacrifice your life for me. And let's take this together. Thank 